0: What's up Rock family, what's up Rock family. One year is going by, we are back, we are back. Come on baby, come on baby. We are back. All the campuses, everybody watching all over, God bless you. Thank you so much for your patience. Your faithfulness. COVID came, but COVID did not knock us out. Come on now. God will not stop the church. We are back. It is so exciting. And I want to encourage you. Listen, over the last year, uh, we've gone through so much. I know so many of you have gone through so much. A lot of y'all lost loved ones, um, lost jobs, businesses, but God is going to sustain you. He's going to sustain you. As we talk about in this new series called Relaunch, He is going to get you through. And I want to encourage you, keep walking. The walk, stay faithful, stay with us. We have our groups, we have our life class, we have everything going on. We're still ministering in San Diego, um, and for any information on anything, just go to sdrock.com/lifeclass to get into a, into a group and get into life class. But we want to make sure that we are still in groups in this church, no matter whether you're here or you're watching online or whatever campus you're at. Uh, we want to be here for you. So I'm so excited. I'm so happy to be back. Let's give the Lord a hand. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Let's get on our knees and pray. Let's get on our knees and pray. My name is Miles McPherson, I'm Pastor the Rock. I want to welcome you to church. Oh, man, it's good to be back. Good to be back. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for um, getting us through this last year. I know that many people have gone through so many things. But you are faithful. And as we... Relaunch our life. Relaunch our faith. Relaunch our relationship with you. Relaunch our church. I pray that you would ignite a new flame. A new flame. A new anointing on our life. As today is the first day of the rest of our life. Today is the first day of the rest of our faith. So I pray as we relaunch our church that we would relaunch our faith. And you would give us clarity on how to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Let's get your Bible. And by the way, hit a share button if you are watching, wherever you're watching from, if you're watching online, hit a share button. And I'm so happy to be able to say what's up, all the campuses. Miss y'all, miss y'all, miss y'all. Get your Bibles out. On the count of three, say word. One, two, three, say word. Turn to Philippians, Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. In order for you to have a rational conversation with people, you have to have conversations based on certain guidelines. And there are three laws of logic that you can use to have a rational conversation. You ever have a conversation with somebody and it goes in circles and you can't keep up and you, you just can't? It's because you're not following the laws of logic. The laws of logic are the basis of rational thought or rational thinking there is the law of identity the law of identity is very simple it says if a statement about something is true it means that it's true in other words if you say it is true that this is a bible it means that this is a bible i know it sounds kind of funny but it's like your yes is your yes and your no is your no so if you say that if we all agree this is the bible then It's the Bible. That means that this is identical with itself. Sounds kind of so simple, it's confusing. But it's not. So the law of identity says if something is something, that it is that something. That's the first law. The second law of non-contradiction says that this can't be a Bible and not a Bible at the same time. We'll get back to that in a minute. But step that aside. First one says if something is something, if it's a true statement about something, that it is that something. The second one says that if it's something, it can't not be that something. I'll come back to that. And then the third one is the law of the excluded middle. In other words, if it's either yes, it is, or no, it isn't, but it can't be in the middle. In other words, it, can't, it, can't be, it has to be one or the other. It either is or it isn't. But the law of non-contradiction, the second one is my favorite and this is what I want to focus on. It basically says if something is something, it can't not be that something at the same time. So this, if this is a table, it can't be a table and not be a table at the same time. If you are, if you are a, a, a math teacher, you can't be a math teacher and not be a math teacher at the same time. You are either one or the other. It's very simple, very basic. But when you have these laws, then you can help identify things and identify what you're talking about. Now, how does this deal with our sermon? Last week we started this series called Relaunch, and it was all based on this premise that if I ask God, God, I want to start my faith, I want to relaunch my faith, today is the first day of your Relationship with God of the rest of your relationship with God. Today is the first day of the rest of your relationship with God. So if you went to God and said, "God, I want to start my faith all over today," or I want to ask you to be my savior for the first time today, and you ask God, "Since I want to do that, tell me what's the one thing I should focus on." If there was one thing you said I should focus on to get it right, because I want to do it better. Than ever before. Matter of fact, wherever you are, raise your hand if you want to live for God better than you ever have before. Just raise your hand. Very good, raise your hand. Very good, very good. So you're telling God, God, I want to do it right. Can you tell me one thing that I should do? One thing I should be better than anything else as a focus starting today? I would tell you that He would want you to be a servant. That's, what, that's my opinion. Now, I'm sure, you know, someone would say, I want you to be loving. That's legit. I want, I want you to be humble. That, that's legit. But I, I would say, that God would say, I want you to be a servant. Now, if you're a servant, you can't be a servant and not be a servant at the same time. <laughs> right? <laughs> remember, remember, the law of, law of non-contradiction. The other law says, if you are a servant, that means you are a servant. If you're going to say, I want to be a servant, you have to be a servant. Jesus was the biggest Baddest, most important, popular, famous, powerful servant of all time. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says that Jesus said, I did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve. And my life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, I am going to be the biggest most important servant, and I'm going to be a model servant to you. Now, the long now contradiction says: Remember, if you are a servant, matter of fact, raise your hand if you want to be a servant. Raise your hand if you want to be. Jesus said that if you want, in the world, you don't lord your authority over you become a servant. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you become a servant. So I want to be a servant. And to be honest with the truth, the reason that this series is important to me because I, me, I want to be a better servant. Right, So if I want to be a servant, the law of non-contradiction says, I can't be a servant and be prideful at the same time. (laughs) Because it's like saying I'm a servant and not a servant. If I'm going to be a servant, I have to be everything a servant is. And the one thing we're going to talk about today is to be a humble person, a humble servant. Humble servants have a God-dependent mindset. Humble servants have a God-honoring mindset. And humble servants have a God-grateful mindset. Humble servants have a God-dependent mindset. Humble servants have a God-honoring mindset. And humble servants have a God-grateful mindset. Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing and he talks about having the mind of Christ. The mind of the greatest servant ever, and when we see what the greatest servant ever did, it gives us a hint on how we can be a servant. Now, why be a servant? A lot of times people say, "Well, I'm just going to be a servant because God wants me to be a servant, and that's a it's a good model." And that's all fine and great. But the reason you are a servant is not so you can accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. The reason you are a servant is that you, so you can get out of the way so God can accomplish what he wants to accomplish. <laughs> this is so important. Because people think, "Well, I'm going to be a servant, I'm going to get credit. No, you're going to be a servant and God will, listen, humility comes before honor, no doubt. But you're going to be a servant so you can get out of the way and be there when God does what he does. I was talking to someone the other day and they said that they heard a pastor say, that a pastor tell them that God told the pastor... I want to do something big in your city. I could do it with you or I could do it without you. What you want to do? And he says, I want to be involved. Can I get amen? Can I get amen? <laughs> come on, come on, can I get amen? And so, so God's saying, I want to do something big in your family, in your job, in your city. Do you want to be part of that or do you want me to just go around you? I want to be part of that. And you know what he says? Then be a servant. Just be a servant. And that means when I call upon you, you jump. We used to have a saying when I was a kid, you feel froggy, jump, right? And, and, and we used to say, my father would say, when I tell you to jump, jump, and I'll tell you when to come down. <laughs> and so, so we, when you're a servant, you're saying, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And I'll trust that you'll do the rest and, and watch what God does. Look at Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Paul in prison, Writing to a church that he started when he was in prison. It says, let this mind, wherever you're at, put your finger to your head and just say mind, say mind, say mind. He says, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you something. A lot of times Christians think, I just want to pray and get this feeling to do something right. That's good. But let me tell you something. God wants you to obey and whether you feel it or not. You got to make a decision. I am going to. To be a servant, I am not gonna call myself a servant and act like I'm not a servant. That's a law of non contradiction. If you act like you're not a servant, you're not a servant. So if you're a servant, be a servant. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Okay, the law of identity I'm a servant, that means it's a true statement, that's what I am. I'm not anything else. I can't go back and forth. I can't go. If you, ever, if you ever get an apple and you go to the store and you see an apple, it's round, it's red, it looks like an apple, smells like an apple. A hundred percent you are sure that if you see an apple and bite into it, it's an apple inside. 100 percent of the time. You've never bit into an apple and got an orange, ever. You know what that's called? Integrity. Ooh, same on the outside as on the inside. You take an orange, peel it, you never peel an orange and get a and, and, and get a pear. Nope, it's integrity. God, everything God made. With integrity. So, God's trying to make you into a servant. So, if you're going to be one on the outside, be one on the inside. Okay, so watch it. So, you got to have a mind of a servant. Look what it says. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal to God. So, Jesus is God. He's not taking something that doesn't belong to him, which is God's identity, because he was God. It wasn't robbery. It wasn't like he's lying. I'm God. But then, look what he did. But made himself of no reputation. Last week we talked about uh, the mind of a nobody. Jesus made himself a nobody. What did it mean? He caused himself to lose all his power. Okay. Look at the sermon from last week. The first step of being a nobody is to find out what caused you to think you're a somebody and get rid of it. So what he says... He says, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation, he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Point number one, humble Humble servants have a God dependent mindset. Humble servants have a God dependent mindset. Humble people acknowledge absolute dependence on God. When Jesus came out of heaven and came into a physical body, Which, by the way, is a downgrade. I know we all think we got, you know, the smooth body and our bodies all this and all that. And we got pictures and all. We Instagram, bam, bam, bam. This is garbage compared to what God had. He came ghetto-fied and put on this body. And he says, Father, I'm going to trust you for everything in my life. He did not become independent in his mindset. Um, A friend of mine's... Child, I think they were 12 years old and in this story I'm going to tell you probably went on for, you know, 10, 11, 12. But their child was making some ill-advised declarations of their independence living in their house. Now if you're a parent, um, you'll really appreciate this because you, I'm sure your kids at some point in their life started thinking that everything in their house was theirs. <laughs> If you're a parent, I know you're cracking up. If your kids are like, well, it is mine. My, it's, my, it's my bed. That ain't your bed. You didn't pay for that bed. So this, 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 <laughs> my friend's child was just talking all this smack about my food and my toys and my t- my couch and my clothes. And, 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 you know, I don't want to share with my friends and my brothers and, and neighbors and cousins. And, and it was just driving the parents crazy, it was all about what these kids claim was theirs. And then they had a fight and, they, and, and this, the child went up, I'm, I, I, I'm going to my room. Went up the room, stomped on the floor. Which, By the way, in my house, you didn't talk back. You, I got slapped for thinking about talking back. My father, what? what, what? It's like no. So when I see kids talk back to their parents, matter of fact, I was in a grocery store, in a department store. It's a true story. Some of the stuff I tell you is not true, but this is true. I'm walking in the department store. My mother had five kids in six years, so she had a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, a five-year-old, a four-year-old, three. I mean, it was, it, my mother was a saint. She was four eleven. She worked full time, had five kids in six years, and so we we were like ducks, just walking, following. She was this big, and we were all like that. We're walking in the department store. The one time I can remember my whole life, my dad was in a store with us. He never went to a store, but he's with us this time. We're walking in the store, and this kid is yelling at their parents. I know y'all seen that before. (laughs) And we're like in shock because I honestly will tell you that never happened in my entire life. None of us, five kids, ever yelled at our parents, ever. Well, it probably happened once and then it ended. That was it. We're in the grocery store and we're looking, all five of us, down to my little brother was like, he's probably two, but he was still like, what? That happens? We're all looking at the kid yelling at the parents, yelling at the parents. The parents aren't doing anything. And my father, we looked at my father. And my father's like, someone's got to get whooped. And he started whooping us because that kid wasn't getting whooped. <laughs> That's jacked up. Two stories. So anyway, this kid walks up, runs up the stairs, slams the door. And my friend went up with a drill and drilled the door off the hinges. And said, none of this is yours. We have to remember that everything is God's. The air you breathe is God's. Look in the sky. He flung the stars out with his sky. With his fingers he stretched the heavens. There are millions of galaxies in the sky. The fish, the birds, the land animals, the dirt that brings life where a seed goes in the dirt and the dirt, the seed dies and it grows. We have to be dependent on God for everything. When Jesus was arrested, he depended on God to defend him. They slapped him. He said, defend yourself. He said, God got me. When he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he trusted, the God, trusted God to sustain him, feed him. When he was on the cross, they said, take yourself down. And he didn't take himself down. He trusted God. When they arrested him and Peter cut the servant's ear off, he said, I can call legions of angels out of heaven. But I'm going to trust God. He depended on God. And here's the thing. Because he understood God's plan, he never got in the way. He trusted that God would execute the plan God's way for God's glory. Every single one of us, we need to trust God to sustain you, even to promote you. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, Therefore, because he humbled himself, God highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and on earth. And those under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What? To the glory of God. It's all about God. We think in our life that we are here to get what we can get to do what we want. And God said, no, no, no. My plan is to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. And as a servant. As a servant, you are to do what I say, which we're going to talk about next week, how a servant is obedient. But as a servant, you are here to do your part in a bigger plan. And guess what? Sometimes it's going to be fun, and sometimes it ain't going to be fun. But you have to trust me. And at the end of the day, if you obey me, it'll all work out. Because look what it says it says, Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, not the glory of Jesus. To the glory, now did Jesus get glorified? Did Jesus? Do we bow down? Oh, yes! But God's the one who gave it to Him, and He gave it to Him that He would be glorified. The Bible says in Romans eight thirty one, "What shall we say to these things? That if God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, God will defend you." Not that you don't defend yourself, but you don't defend yourself beyond what God tells you to do. God will promote you. Psalm 75, 6 to 7. Exaltation or promotion comes neither from the east or the west or north or the south. God is the judge. He puts one down and he exalts another. Proverbs eighteen, twelve says, before destruction, a man's heart is prideful. Not a servant's heart. Because you can't be a servant and be prideful at the same time. That's the law of non-contradiction. But a man's heart is hardy before destruction and before honor is humility. If you see someone being pride, prideful, destruction is on its way because God's word will not return void. If you see someone being humble, God is going to lift them up. Up. and often sometimes the people you see that are being blessed it could be that they've been humble you just didn't see what they were being humble about and all you're seeing is God lift them up and you're like well they, don't, they don't, she don't look all that cute well there's something really cute about her heart something really cute about that or, or, or smart about that guy's uh, submission to God something is something was done in humility where God lifted them up number 2 humble servants Have a God-honoring mindset. A God-honoring mindset because humble people accept their station in life. In other words, humble people know who they are and who they're not. Humble people accept their station in life. As you relaunch your faith... Just think about how you could be more focused on honoring God more than yourself. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. It says, Jesus being found in the appearance of a man humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus became a man. He's in heaven. He's sharing the glory of the Father. John 17 says Jesus that the Father shared his glory with the Son before the foundation of the earth, John 17. And then he humbled himself and became a man. And the whole time Jesus was a man, he acted as a man. What I mean by that is that he humbled himself, lowered himself to became a man, become a man, and for 33 years he lived right here. For 33 years, he lived with men. He ate, he slept, he got tired, he experienced pain, he wept, uh, he was burdened, he was stressed to the point of sweat and death, he suffered, and he died. And what I mean by that, the whole time he was humbled as a man, he always remained a man. He prayed like a man, cried out to God like a man. He was, he was anointed and blessed by the Holy Spirit like a man. But he stayed in his manhood for those 33 years. And what he's telling you and me is that if you are going to be humble, you keep God on his throne and you stay on yours. Now it doesn't mean you don't aspire to uh, 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 get promoted in your job. It doesn't mean you don't aspire to, you know, gain wealth or buy things. And, but that, that's not your focus. Your focus is to say, if God has me here doing this today, I'm going to be faithful at doing this today. In other words, if my identity is servant, then I be servant. If my identity is husband, I be husband. If my identity is is, is, is wife, be wife. If my identity identity is being good neighbor, be good neighbor. Be that. But don't think myself more highly than I ought to. A friend of mine uh, has, has a business back in, back east. And it's a very, very big company. And one of his employees started thinking, "Well, you know, I think I could do this differently." And they had a series of altercations, you know, arguments. And actually, the, his employee was kind of having issues with his supervisor, and finally got up to my friend, who's the boss, the owner. And they had this discussion, and 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 this employee just was thinking he was. Bigger than the boss. Now, just understand, this company is like 20-something years old. The employee hasn't, he didn't start the company. He wasn't even in the first 10 years. But all of a sudden now he's the big shot. And he knows better than the boss. So they're having this discussion. And this guy can't get it through his head that he ain't the boss. So my friend, I mean, he, he's a high roller. And this, only high rollers can do what my friend did. He said, let's go outside. So the employees going going, go outside. He, maybe they're going to fight. You know, he's like, I don't know, what are you going outside for? You know, let's go outside. That's what you say saying as a kid, let's go outside, right, check it outside. So he goes, okay, so he's thinking we're going to fight. And he goes outside and my friend says, turn around look at the building. What do you see? You're going to see a building. Look at the top of the building. That's my name. <laughs> That's not your name. <laughs> he said, look at this business card. That's my name. That's not your name. Look at your check. That's my name. That's not your name. You know, I mentioned a few minutes ago how awesome creation is. You know what the Bible says about creation? Romans 1.20 says, for since the creation of the world, the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. You know what this says? That if you really, really look at creation, you will see the power of God. Look at the stars, the fish, the birds, you will see the glory of God, the intelligence of God, the creativity of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God. And you look at that, you go, I will never, ever dishonor that. As a servant, I honor God always over me. Number three, servants are God grateful, they have a God grateful mindset. Thank you. When's the last time you told God thank you? Well, I lost my job. So you tell him thank you because he's got a better one for you. He's got a better one for you. Oh, my boyfriend left me. He was a knucklehead anyway. You should thank God. You should thank God. Well, I wish I lived in a bigger house. No, you don't because it costs you more money and you ain't got it. You should thank God. You should thank God that He keeps reminding you what you're not. So, you can be satisfied and content in what you are. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 12, look what it says about Jesus. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then what it says, looking on to Jesus, The author and finisher of our faith. And look what it says. Who for the joy set before him. For the joy set before him endured the cross. Humble people view God, view life as a gift. Jesus, listen, he became a man and he went to the cross to be killed and it was joyful. He was grateful that he would give you and I an opportunity to know him. He was grateful, even though it was going to be painful. I mean, beyond painful, it killed him. He said it, it was joyful to him, the joy set before him. I wonder if you and I could say, Lord, I want to serve you, and I am so excited for whatever it brings, whether it hurts or not. I want to say thank you. Because if we're like, mmm, I don't like this, we're not a servant. Mm. Law of non-contradiction, servants don't complain. Servants are grateful. Servants are honoring. Servants are dependent. I want you to close your eyes. I want everybody, wherever you're at, just close your eyes. And I want you to think about your life. And a matter of fact, I want you to think about the one thing in your life that... Right now, you probably wish did not exist. A relationship, a debt, an illness, a job situation. Just something that's irritating you. And I want you to just take 10 seconds and tell God, thank you for it. Thank him for what you're learning. Thank him for sustaining you. Thank him for never leaving you. Thank him that you will be victorious over it. And if you would like to be a servant today and give your life to Jesus. Remember, we are relaunching our church. We are relaunching our faith first day back and over a year. And you're saying, Lord, I want to be a servant. I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer of dedication that you want to be a servant. In the privacy of your heart, pray, dear God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. Thank you that you have a plan for my life. Thank you that I can receive salvation by faith. I don't need a lot of money. I don't need a degree. I just need to surrender. So Jesus, I ask you, forgive me of my pride, my arrogance, my sense of entitlement. I surrender my life to you. I want to be a servant. Fill me with your power and your love. If you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, and we are going to pray for you. And you're going to stand to your feet. You are acknowledge that yes, you are asking. God to take away all your pride that you may be a servant. You may be accepting Christ for the first time, or you may be just rededicating your life. It doesn't matter. You were saying I am walking away from the prideful version of myself, and I'm going to walk into the servant. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up wherever you're at, and then we're going to pray for you. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Wherever you're at, all over the world, stand to your feet. If you're in your car, if you're outside, listen on the phone, just stand up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All of you are standing. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I want you to open your eyes and look at me. You are telling God, God, I want to be a servant. First thing you can do is let us know that you prayed this prayer because we want to help you. There's a button right there. It's a Click the save button or text save to 52525. We want to help you in your journey. I talked at the very beginning. Go to lifeclass, um, sdrock.com slash online. We want to help you in your journey. But if you're saying you want to be a servant, now it's time to walk like one and live like one. So I'm going to pray for you. Contact us for your next step. And I'm so excited. Next week, we're going to continue this series called Relaunch, and we're going to talk about being an obedient servant. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for everybody who's engaged and standing right now, wherever they are, all over the world. And I pray that we can partner with them and walk with them in their journey. In Jesus' name. Amen. That was awesome. So many people uh, accepted the Lord. I know you're going to start your life over as a servant. And so we want to thank you. Uh, Now we want to take our offering. I know we didn't do it in the beginning, but we want to do it at the end. And hopefully God is going to give you clarity about this. And the title of my uh, offering message is generosity blind spots. Some people, a blind spot is not knowing what you don't know. It's the gap between the intent of what you do and the impact of what you do. And people have generosity blind spots. They don't know what they don't know. I want to read something to you from Matthew chapter 19 verse 62. It says, behold, one came to Jesus said, "Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life?" And Jesus said, "Why do you call me good? No one is good but God." In other words, if you're going to call me good, you got to call me God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now understand Whenever anyone went at Jesus with some riddle, they wouldn't get, un- would get riddle-fied because you can't unriddle Jesus, okay? Out-riddle Jesus. So the guy said, well, which ones? Jesus said, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not bear false witness, don't lie. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbors yourself. And so the guy said, yeah, I did all that. What do I lack? I'm the man. I, I did all that. Jesus said, oh, is that right? Okay. You want to be perfect? Sell what you have and give it to the Pope. P-O, give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. Now, understand this. You don't have to sell everything and give it away to go to heaven. But Jesus knew this guy was being prideful. Look, like I'm, I'm a good guy, I can go to heaven. Jesus says, I know what's in your heart. You're prideful and you're kind of showing everybody that you're the man. So I'm going to come at you where you really live, which is in your pocket. I know you're greedy. So he says, sell what you have and give it to the poor. But the young man, when he heard that, he went away sorrowful because he had a whole bunch of stuff. Not that he had great possessions, but that he had great possessions he didn't want to let go of. Generosity blind spot. People think that you are rewarded based on the amount that you give, not the faithfulness with which you live. God's not rewarding you just because you give a lot of money. He's rewarding you on your faithfulness to what he tells you. So when we give, it's not about, well, I give a lot. I'm somebody. no. I'm being faithful to what God has told me. So when we ever take the offering, it's important for you to just be faithful. Sometimes he's going to tell you to do this and sometimes he's going to tell you to do this. Be faithful. Another blind spot is that you think you will end up with less, not more when you give. In other words, if I give more, I'm going to have less. No, 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 you actually end up with more because God blesses what you have more than what you gave away. That's the blind spot. People think, well, if I give $10 and I have 100, I'm only going to have 90. No, God's going to bless the 90 past the 100 that you had. And lastly, faithfulness is measured by a one-time event versus a lifetime. That's a blind spot. Faithfulness is not measured by a one-time thing. It's measured by a lifetime. God wants you to live faithfully with him over time. And so when we take our offering, it's not time to say, hey, look at me, I did this one thing and I'm good. Because that's what the rich young ruler was trying to say. I did these things, I'm good. And God said, nah, I want, <clears throat> I want your whole heart. So I want to pray for you as we give that you would not have these, these blind spots, that you would not think... These things that are wrong about giving, that if you give, you're going to be, end up with less. Or that if you're being faithful one time and God's going to consider you faithful for your whole life. That you are just no God, I'm just going to be faithful with what you tell me to do today. And watch God bless you today and tomorrow. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your goodness. And I pray for everybody watching that you would speak to them and open their eyes up to understand the true nature of being generous. That you would bless their giving, bless the giver. Bless what they hold back. Multiply it beyond what they could ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to give, just text GIVE to 52525. Text GIVE to 52525. God bless you and we will see you next week.